inspiration. Turn up the motivation. You're on the Ziggler Inspire podcast. Zig Ziggler wants you to be your best. Welcome to Zig Ziglar's Inspire Podcast. This is your host, Blake Lindsay. If you have kids or you're in a position to influence nieces, nephews, or neighbors' kids, you are going to enjoy this podcast. Zig gives sound advice on how to raise positive kids. Let's turn it up and listen to Zig. Now, at this stage of the game, there's a good chance you might have come to the conclusion that in order to really raise positive kids, you need the genius of an Einstein, the insight of a psychologist, the stamina of a triathlete, the faith of a Daniel in the lion's den, and the courage of David as he faced Goliath. If I've communed all of that to you, then so far I have misled you. What I do simply want to say is that there are some things that we can do that will make a difference. So the question often comes up, when do you start the input into your child's mind that will make a difference? Let me encourage you to buy another book. It's called The Secret Life of the Unborn Child. It's written by a man named Thomas Verney, who is a psychiatrist. And Dr. Verney has established beyond any doubt that when the child is still in the womb is the time that you need to start talking to and educating that child. They've discovered they can learn an amazing number of things, and the bonding, especially between the father and the child, can be dramatically increased if dad is talking to that baby before the birth. You see, the words you use with your child are tremendously important. Now, when we look at our children, they literally come in three different ages. And by that, I mean there are three periods in their lives which make dramatic differences and where changes take place. When we become aware of those three ages, it helps us to more effectively deal with them. For example, the first area, according to author John Drescher, is the age of regulation, which is from one to seven. Now, a first grade girl brought this out as far as why regulation is needed. She went to school in the second grade. She came home that evening, and her report to her mother was this. We had a substitute teacher today. She let us do anything we wanted to. We didn't like her. The small child needs regulation. They need instruction. They need us to tell them, do this and this and this. They cannot reason and understand some of the things they need to. They need to know what is expected. They need definite and clear rules. They are unhappy and insecure if they do not have these guidelines to go by. The early years of childhood are the prime years in the child's moral development. He needs to know what he ought to do before he can think or put into practice what he should do. It begins before birth and is taught consistently right on. There'll never be a better time to teach obedience than from the very beginning. Oh, how important that is. During those early years, the child lives in a world of feeling and discovery rather than reason. The physical touch is so important. The emotional climate in which he is being raised. The tone of voice that we as parents use can communicate so much to that child. The attitude of the family itself is critical. 
The second age of childhood is the age of imitation, and it occurs between the ages of 8 and 12. And mom and dad, this is where we as individuals need to be prepared to be emulated. We need to be prepared to have our little guys and gals doing the things which we are doing. During this particular age, the age of imitation, the language you use, your conduct, is going to be largely imitated by the child. Larry Pullen, the director of the Agape Movement, and his wife Donna Lynn, says this, A child needs to learn by concrete example until the age of 11, since his ability to think abstractly is not well developed until then. She mentioned their own uh, children's lives. And they have said this, all of us have seen a hot-headed or profane father pass on these characteristics to his son, or a sharp-tongued, immodest mother beget a sassy, immoral daughter. No amount of scriptural training will counteract totally the example we parents set. It is kitty see, kitty do. My own mother said this, son, your children more attention pay to what you do than what you say. They're going to imitate what we're going to do. This is pointed out in God's book. In Luke 6, 40, it clearly says, and this is from the New International Version, the student is not above the teacher, but the teacher has not taught until the student becomes as the teacher now, what that says is not only in our school systems do we need the right kind of teacher, but of infinitely more importance at home, we need the parents who as teachers are teaching by word and deed exactly what they expect and want their children to be and do. Now, it also says, and I point out, this is frightening in many ways because if the example we said is good, then the results will be good. But if the example is not good, then we have a tremendous responsibility at that point. This article in Parents Magazine points out that during this stage of childhood, the child develops his basic disposition, which he will bring to big decisions later on. What kind of people he will be attracted to, what kind of living he wants to make, what style of spending he feels comfortable with. His attitudes to life and to others, and this really hit me, are developed by how parents speak to the salesman, the clerk at the store, over the telephone to a neighbor. Attitudes toward people are reflected in family discussion about others. During these years, this age of imitation, reading is at an all-time high. And parents, if I could ever get excited about selling Two ideas, it's long about now. In raising positive kids in a negative world, I don't suppose I ever will forget my sixth grade teacher, a lady named Mrs. Worley. Mrs. Worley was the teacher who inspired me and many others in her class to read. From the first day of her class, she started putting us in little contests to see who could read and report on the most books outside of our textbooks for the year. I well remember that in the sixth grade, there were three of us who were in heated competition for the entire year. I developed a love of reading at that point, which is, in my opinion, the greatest 
skill we can teach our child how to read. Today, I spend an average of about three hours a day reading. It does make a dramatic difference in your life. To raise a positive kid along these same lines, let me also throw this in. If you can read today at the fifth grade level, there literally is no excuse for anyone not to have a good education. You can simply go to the store and get your books on vocabulary. And parents, I can tell you this, when you learn one new word a day, and when you teach your child one new word a day, in five years' time, you will be absolutely astonished at the extraordinarily broad range of subjects which your child can discuss and which you can discuss. You see, every word has a buddy. And you learn this word, you've automatically learned another. And three days later, that brings in another and another and another. It's absolutely amazing what it can do. During these years, the parrot dare not be or do what he does not want the child to be or do. During these years, if the parent is reading, chances are excellent the child is going to read. I really encourage you, develop that vocabulary, work with your child, teaching them how to read. This week, how about reaching out to a child and giving them some positive encouragement? You can change the future of someone else with just your time and your words. Make it count. Until next week, this is Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Ziggler. Ziggler. Inspiring true performance.